Alright, Matthew chapter 10. There's been a couple of things we've been talking, talking about leading up to this point. Jesus sent the disciples out. How did He send them out? In pairs. In pairs. What was He sending them out to go do? Spread the word, right. What word were they going to spread? Alright, God's word about Jesus. I mean, what about, alright, what are some other things that we learned about it when they were going to spread the word? What were some details and things they were told to do? Or not to do, or what to bring, and what not to bring, anything? Oh, anything. Alright. Yeah, not really to bring anything. Yep. Alright, go to the lost. Alright, alright, go to unsaved. Alright, anything else? Uh, those oh, treat with respect. Go to the Phoenix oh. houses. Hey, that's good, that's good. What? Houses. And go to the houses. That's big. Alright, so Allie hit something that I want to get on real quick. When you go and greet and you go to the houses, you go to the house in what way? When you're witnessing? Respect. respect. Okay, why is it important you're respectful? Yeah, no one wants to follow you if you're disrespectful, right? Uh, it, it really doesn't seem to mix very well. Okay, the reason I wanted to go back with that is we wanted to, I wanted to address something real quick. Whenever we talk about going out and fulfilling the Great Commission that Jesus has called us to do, you should not be so focused on the method of how you're going to share the gospel. Does that make sense? Because you can learn a method and it means nothing if it's not led by the Messiah. Y'all following with me? But when you're led by the Messiah, the method will always come. When you're in right fellowship with God, the method that you will need to witness to your family and friends will come to you if you're in right fellowship with God. If you're not in right fellowship with God, then you're dependent upon a method. Y'all following with me? That's important as we go forward. Okay, uh, and then we talked about who to fear. What did it say who to fear? That was a couple verses before, talking about not to fear man, because man can only do what? What's the worst thing man can do? Kill you, right? And what happens if you die if you're a born-again believer? You go to heaven, right? Okay, so who does he say to fear? God. Yeah, fear God. Now, why would you fear God? Okay, good, good. We got some good questions. All right, good. All right, verse number 32. This is what we're going to pick up on. Little Cole, you want to take us away? Oh, yeah. Verse number 32 of chapter 10. Good job, y'all. Good recap. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will, all, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Verse number 33 also. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Now this is very interesting, and honestly it could be a quite scary verse if you think about it. What is Jesus saying? If you deny me in front of men, I'll deny you in front of God. Now why is it important that he's saying this in this context? Because he just called the disciples out to fulfill the Great Commission. And for some reason, as born-again believers, the Great Commission is a scary thing to us. Yes, we want to come to the cross and our sins be forgiven and we have eternity in heaven, but when it comes to witnessing to our family and friends, that's when our fear starts to settle in. So why is this important that this verse is coming right after this? It's because he's saying, listen, if you're afraid to witness, you need to ask yourself, am I really with you? Because if you deny me working in and through you, then guess what? Maybe you're not a vessel that I can use. Uh, why is witnessing so difficult for you specifically? Let's not just generalize it. Why you specifically is it difficult to witness? Seriously. We can generalize it all we can, say we need to go out, share the gospel, but why is it you specifically, why is it difficult for you to share the gospel? And you can boil it down to one thing. You fear man more than you fear God. Because if you are a born-again believer, you should fear God, and God's calling your life is to go share the gospel. Y'all see it? 
Now, it's kind of scary, but it's a great check up there in verse number 32 and 33 because guess what? If you are bold in your walk with God and you always are following His footsteps for your life, guess what? That's assurance of salvation. God's not going to deny you, right? Why? Because you're in right fellowship with Him. But if you're struggling in that area of sharing the gospel, you might need to ask yourself, do I have a real relationship with God? Okay? It's cool those verses. A lot of times you'll hear those verses out of context and people will be like, all right, well, that means you need to go forward and say that's why you're uh, born again and actually it's into your heart. You need to do it publicly kind of deal. In reality, this is talking to the disciples about them going out and sharing the gospel. Right? Uh, verse number 34. Good deal, y'all. Uh, take us away, Elise. <laughs> Don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. Cool. Alright, so Jesus then says, Don't assume that I came to this earth to bring peace. Why is that interesting? Did not Jesus say multiple times that he came to bring peace? I mean, what are the, what do the angels say? Uh, what is the what is the thing at Christmas time? You know what I'm talking about? Peace yeah, peace. Uh, yeah, I mean literally we're singing at Christmas. Okay, so so again, we do see that Jesus did come on this earth to give peace. So what is he trying to say in this context? He has judgment. That he has judgment? Okay, good. So keep reading. This is interesting. Okay, good. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Whoa. Why, why is he saying, I, I didn't, don't assume that I've come for peace, but to bring a sword? And again, what is the context of where he's sending the disciples out to do? To share the gospel. So what is he telling them right here? That sharing the gospel may not be peaceful every time. And you've got to realize you're in opposition of the world when you share the gospel. Are, are y'all following with me? You want to know why it's difficult for you to share the gospel? It's because, guess what? It goes against the grain of the world. It goes against the flow of the world. And guess what? The gospel, when it is presented against the world, it doesn't give peace. They can't coexist. When the gospel is presented, it demands a response. And if you're living in a world, if you're living in your flesh, that response is either continue in the flesh or respond to God. Y'all see where he's getting at here? It's cool. We're going to get a couple more uh, examples. Verse number 35. Take us away, Cammie. For I've come to turn man against his father. <coughs> whoa, whoa, okay, okay, okay. Jesus, man, Jesus is just spitting out some crazy facts here, okay? So then he says, what about a man against who? Now, hold on, I can't. What are one of the Ten Commandments? Honor your father and mother. So, again, Jesus is not saying, I've called you to disrespect your parents. So, again, what is Jesus telling the disciples? We have to put on our listening ears. Okay, keep going. Cammy. So, again, I've come. Read it. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter in law against her mother in law. A man's enemy will be the members of his own household. What is Jesus saying? Hey, yes, guess what? When you decide for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you're going to have to take a stand. And guess what? Not everyone's going to agree with you. Please, if you can critically think, why is it if you decide to surrender your life to Christ that not everybody's going to agree with you and not everyone's going to be excited and happy for you? Why? Because why? They hated him first. That's good. What else? They also have to look back at their own life. Guess what? When you surrender your life to Christ and someone else's life is not surrendered to Christ, guess what? You're enemies. You realize that? One's on one side and one's on the other. Y'all following what I'm trying to say here? 
So this is the part I wanted to draw, I guess, a little bit of an example here. Uh, we'll actually read a couple verses, then we'll go with the example. Verse number 37, 36, and then 37. Alec, y'all see where he's getting at. Okay, he's not saying disrespect your parents or disrespect family members, but he is saying when you take a stand, not everyone's going to be in agreement with it. So if your fear of following Christ is, well, I want everyone to, to be excited for me, to agree with me, to be happy, that's not going to be the case. Because when you choose to follow Christ, now you're at the opposition of the world. Y'all follow it? Okay, good. Uh, what is it, Alan? Verse 37. 37, If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. <sighs> These are some very tough statements that Jesus uh, tells the disciples here. What does that mean? What is he saying? Again, Jesus is not, we we get to see here, he sent them off in pairs of the family. He's not against the family. So what is Jesus saying? You've got to love me more than your family. And if you want to love your family right, you've got to love me first. Y'all following? Again, why is this important? We like to get our world right before we get right with God. Does that make sense? When our fam, when my family gets back on fire, then I'm going to get on fire with you. We're always waiting for something else to be the reason for us to be on fire for the Lord. Instead of saying, I'm standing up. Y'all see? Why is it so difficult for us to be the one to say we stand up? Because guess what? You're going against the grain of the world. I'm trying to give you an example with this. One, um, I'm going to give a couple of examples here. Uh, we'll go with verse number, we'll read 38 and then I'll give the example. So, Allie, go ahead and go. One more time, 38. Yeah, we're going one more time. Okay, is this making sense? We're going to tie it all together. Okay. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. So, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine, you're not mine. What is Jesus saying there? If you're not willing to suffer, you're not mine. If you're not willing to be persecuted, you're not mine. If you want to fear man more than you fear me, you're not mine. And in the crowd, remember the disciples, Judas was there. So although he's speaking this to the disciples, there was also one who was not right with God, right? Hey, listen. Someone who is a drunkard doesn't care if you drink. If someone who vapes all the time doesn't care if you vape. Someone who's sexually immoral doesn't care if you're sexually immoral. But once you say, I'm pure to the sexual immoral, that's conflict. Once you tell a drunkard that you shouldn't drink, that's conflict. Once you tell a vapor you shouldn't vape, that's conflict. You see, that's what Jesus is saying. When you take a stand for me, you're against the world. And you've got to know that when you surrender your life to me because you're going against the grain of the world now. But guess what? Once that conflict arises and you realize that you really don't have much confidence at all to stand in those situations, you need to ask yourself the question, am I really God's? Because again, he says, if you fear man more than you fear me, then I will deny you just like you denied me. And we keep trying to say, well, I I wish Christianity was more fair. I wish there was something. I I feel like I'm doing all this type of stuff. It doesn't get much fairer than that. It doesn't get much simpler than that. If you say you stand for me, then stand always. If not, you're not mine. And you can almost see as Jesus is talking to the disciples, hey, if you deny me, 
My father is going to deny you. Judas, pay attention! I, you've been here three years and you've yet to change your life. You've yet to fear God more than you fear man. Judas, today, please, one more time. Because if you deny me, I'm going to have to deny you. Because guess what? You fear man more than you fear God. You choose the, you choose the flow of the world rather than standing in opposition for God. If you don't take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy to be mine. Or you're not mine. Christianity, you might be saying, well, James, are you saying once I give my life to Christ, you know, let me go suffer and, you know, hey, uh, Garrett, chunk rocks in my back, all right, I'm suffering for Christ right now, you know? No, 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 that's not what it's getting at. But suffering for Christ is simply when I stand for the things of God in a world that hates God, persecution will follow, and you've got to fear God more than you fear man if you're willing, if you're going to stand. And he's doing this as he's telling the disciples to do what? This is the craziest part. They're called to go out and do what? Share the gospel. What do we fail the most at as American Christians? Sharing the gospel. Maybe all of our church names should be Judas. Just enough to make it look like on the outside we're right. But once it comes to witnessing, once it comes to fearing God more than fearing man, we're out. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Do you realize in the context of this, we read looking back knowing that Jesus is going to the cross to pay for our sins? Do you know the disciples at this point don't even really understand what Jesus is talking about other than that, that cross is a terrible way to die? So when Jesus is telling the disciples in this context, what do you think their thoughts are? Man, are you kidding me? And then we think, man, why didn't the disciples just follow? Why didn't Judas just believe? And then I asked a question early on, why don't you witness? And if you're pinpointing a reason, that reason is just as valid as the reason why Judas would not repent. Y'all following with me? We're not that much different. So again, when you stand for God, you're going against the flow of the world. So when you stand for the things of God, you, are going to, you need to expect persecution and suffering, not because you're trying to find it, not because you're going after Garrett throwing rocks, but simply because you're standing up and doing the right thing. Remember what I said. When you're doing, if you, if you want to get along with the sinner, what do you do? You sin. Have you ever had a sinner get mad at you for sinning only when it goes above what they think is a worse sin, right? But if you're doing the exact same sins that they're doing, guess what? They don't care. Have you ever noticed that? Your friends that are suffering in sin, your, your, your friends who are in bondage to sin have no problem whenever you do the same sins they do. But guess what? When you say to that friend, hey, guess what? I, I, look, I, I gave my life to Christ this past summer and I, I don't know if, I can do that anymore. It's my testimony is a little bit more important. Oh. Okay. Well, we're going to still go and I'll see you Monday. Does that not happen? 
And why did that happen? Simply because you took a stand. But guess what? Whenever you decide to do the same things that they're doing, no one has a conflict with it. So guess what? If you want to get along with your friends, just do exactly what they're doing. But guess what? You don't stand with your friends at the judgment seat of God. And remember, God said, listen, if you deny me in front of man, I'll deny you in front of God. Okay, it's that simple. Okay? I just told you how to fit in. But guess what? God didn't call you to fit in. So why are you worried? You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it kind of all makes sense, right? It all makes sense. Maybe am I spitting out a little bit too fast? Okay, good. All right, good. We'll, we'll, we'll finish up this chapter. Okay, good, 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 good. All right, verse number 40. Uh, <laughs> Kyla Bean. I didn't mean to yell, you guys. It's 40. 40, 40, 40. Yep. Oh, I did skip 39? Oh, right. oh, that's a great verse, Alec. Verse number 39. Take us away, Kyla. It's a great verse. I should have done this one. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Oh, okay. Whoever finds their life. What does it mean to find your life? Honestly, what, what would you today, what would it mean to find your life? Fit in. Succeed academically. Succeed at your job. I found my life. Maybe it's family. I mean, it, it could be something that good, but guess what? If it's not God, it's no longer good because even Jesus just said, you've got to love me more than family. But guess what? People chase after family because it's something that's good and assume that they're right with God because they chase after good. Good outside of God is bad. It's evil, okay? If Jesus just said that, if you don't love me more than your family, you don't love me at all. Okay? Y'all, y'all see that? But again, that's like the, uh, what is it, the American Christian way. You know, I'm, I'm just, once I get a good family, we're going to get nice and settled and get right in the center of God's will. And the whole time we're chasing after that, we're not going to do anything that God is calling us to do. Okay? Does that make sense? Good. Okay, if he finds his life, so again, I guess in the context of where we're at here, finding your life would be fitting in, fulfilling what you think your life is called to do by yourself, your own self-glory. So again, whosoever shall find his life, let's say Kyle. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So again, if you find your life, what does he say is going to happen to it? You're going to lose it. What does that mean? Uh, can, can y'all please put this together? It's not what you think it is. It's not what you think it is. Sin is never what you think it is. Success is never what you think it is. Fulfillment is never what you think it is outside of God. You know the best thing that you can do if you live your life the best way possible and you can, you can make a ton of money, you can, you can have a great family, and guess what? The very best thing you can do is become possibly, maybe if you get enough money, maybe you could be the richest man in your local cemetery. If you're lucky. That's the best you can do. And guess what? You're dead. And you're probably not even the richest one in your local cemetery. Because guess what? Whoever finds his life shall lose it. Meaning everything you chase after other than God will slip right out of your fingertips. And right when you think you had it, you're going to no longer want it. And whenever you think he'll give you satisfaction, you'll be unsatisfied once again. And the cycle continues. Right? So again, whosoever shall find it shall lose it. And then Kyla, what does the second part say? Whosoever shall lose it shall what? Find it. Find it. Okay, why is this? I mean, does this just make not too much good sense? That's a terrible English, all right? Obviously, I don't care about excelling in the academic atmosphere, I guess. But again, if you lose it, you find it. What does that mean? Just flip it. What does that mean? 
you give up what you believe is the world, guess what? God says you're mine. Why is it so difficult to give up what we want the most in this life? Because it's what we want. Hey, if you all boil it really, really down to the very smallest level, it's just selfishness. Deep down. Right? So what does it mean to lose your life? How do you lose your life? Wait, again, again, Garrett, you're going to chunk rocks at me. This time I want a big rock, so I want you to take my life because uh, I want to see Jesus if, I, if you take my life for me. Just one rock? Just one big rock, okay? I think you can handle it, all right? Wait, wait, that's, that's not what that means. Why? Why is that not what that means? What does it mean to lose your life? Hey, you know what it means to surrender your life to Christ? It means you got to stop chasing after the things you wanted before Him. You've got to give up your idols. Why is it so hard to give up what you've been chasing for for the longest period of time? Good example, Brother Jerome. He's back there in the back. You can see him. He's, it's like very dark back there. Okay. Tell me, tell me. Let, let's say, let's say theoretically. Let's say theoretically. But Brother Jerome has never has has not given his life to Christ. Okay. Oh, thank you for the lights, Rhett. Thank you, big dog. All right. So, all right, Brother Brother Jerome. All right, Brother Jerome. We'll, we'll put an estimate on your age because I don't I don't want to mess it up. Twenty four. Uh, 42. Shave two years for him. All right. 42. All right. 40. Do we shave a lot? Okay. 42. 42 years old. All right. Brother Jerome has never given his life to Christ. Okay. Just theoretically. Let's just do this right here. At 42 years old, Brother Jerome says, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Tell me what's going to prevent him from doing that. Habits. What? Habits. Habits. What is else? Sin nature? Hey, guess what? Guess what Brother Jerome has to do at 42 years old? For 42 years old, I've lived the wrong life. For 42 years old, I've been a phony. For 42 years of my life, I've been a hypocrite. For 42 years of my life, I have absolutely wasted it. You see now why it's harder whenever you get older to give your life to Christ? How difficult would that be? To have to look his family, have to look uh, Miss Erica, have to look his kids in, his, in their eyes. But guess what? If Brother Jerome fears God more than he fears man, he doesn't care what the past 42 years have been like. This day forward, God, your life, my life is yours. Whatever you want to do in my life, you can have it now. You see? So again, what is preventing you from following Christ? It's yourself. <laughs> It's your own pride. Okay, good, good. Because you gotta lose, you gotta lose your world, you gotta lose what you're chasing after. Okay, good. We'll close out the verses. How much we got? Oh man, we're doing great on time. 22 minutes. I got used to going quick. Okay, good. Is anyone confused? Am I am I saying something that's off? Good soup. Anything else? Good, good, good. Um, verse number 40. Uh, this is cool, Jolie. A good little change. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Okay, so now he's saying, all right, as you're going to share the gospel, when it is received, what are they doing? They're receiving who? They're receiving God. Okay, okay, they're receiving. Okay, so why is that important? Why is that, why is that so important? Because guess what? When you're doing the great, when you're following after God's will, what does it say right there? He that receiveth you receiveth me. 
remember, your life is no longer yours. So when you're going to fulfill the Great Commission, it is as if Jesus Himself is fulfilling it also. Are y'all following with me? That's cool stuff. That is cool stuff. So He says, He that receiveth you, receiveth me. Now, wait, wait, wait a second. He that receiveth you, wait, how can He receive you and it receive me if I'm doing things that are sinful? If I'm living just like the world? Y'all see what's happening here? You have to surrender your life, surrender your desires to be used of God to fulfill the Great Commission. You cannot fulfill the Great Commission while indulging in what the world has to offer. It doesn't work. How can they receive Him when in you is choosing sin over God? Is that, is that, is that good? <laughs> good, okay. That's cool. He who receives you is as if He's receiving me uh, keep going with it or read verse number 41 for me. Yes, yes, please. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So this is kind of like a promise, right? So if you're going and you're sharing the gospel and you receive, what is he basically saying there? I think this is something that's really cool. Remember whenever he said... You either fear God or you fear man. He then also gave them this great analogy about a sparrow, remember? And what did he say about the sparrow? God even cares about the little sparrow. And he even knows the amount of hairs on the top of your head. Okay? Why is that important? Why is that important? Because guess what? God sees you. God's with you. God's desiring to use you. Are y'all seeing that? The God of the universe is desiring to use you. The God of the universe is desiring a relationship with you. And the part that's crazy, remember, apart from Him, the very best you could do is maybe be the richest man in your cemetery. But then God desires to use you? Why? That's love unexplainable. I can't explain that, guys. That doesn't make sense to me. No matter how you look at it, no matter how you cut it, if you take back all sort of selfishness, that makes zero sense. But isn't that awesome? Why? Okay, good, good. Uh, the final verse, I think, is where we're at. Verse number 42. Who's our final? Me. You've already read. Jack, Jack, attack. Jack, Jack, attack. And verse number 42. Oh, um, Jack, Jack, attack, good reader, Jack, Jack, Jack. <laughs> he, he had that, he had that nickname before. No, no, it wasn't a comparison nickname. It was before you. I promise you. Like that's for real. That's for real. No, I'm not a good reader. No, you're a good reader. Four choice of words. Here we go. Verse number forty-two. Okay, remember, he that receiveth the prophet in my name. Uh, again, understanding when you're fulfilling the great commission, God's eyes are on you. God will protect you. Why fear man? When you're fearing God, okay? Verse number 42. I know we don't really have like catchy points and stuff, but this is just some good stuff. Take us away, Jack. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Well, okay. Jesus Jesus says some, some interesting things a lot, right? This is kind of like one of those interesting, interesting, uh, 
interesting verses, right? What is Jesus saying? Again, take all the context of what we've been talking about. This is the final verse that we're done. So, what is Jesus saying? Have any of y'all, I think this is something that's funny. How many of y'all at y'all's houses have those cups? Y'all have y'all's cup where you keep all your cups to drink water from. How many of y'all all of a sudden have like those baby cups? Like once y'all just have a toddler or a niece around, you always get them little baby cups, okay? I still drink out of the baby cups. I think they taste better. They do. It tastes a lot better. Little baby cup. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's a little baby cup, okay? It is a water scolder, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, though. A baby cup. James confirmed. It is. All right. So again, you maybe, maybe put, that in your, put that in the back of your mind and then read that verse. What is he saying? Even the what? Even the little cup. Even the little cup does what? Read the verse one more time. Take us away, um, let's, uh, Autumn. You want to read it for us? Yeah. Here we go. And whosoever shall give to drink. Well, before that, whosoever means whoever. Anyone. Us. Okay, good, good. All right, so whosoever. Let's keep going. Shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Do you know why some of y'all struggle with following after Christ? It's because you think your job is too small. You think for you to share the gospel, it has to be a big scene. It has to be a big event. All the stars have to be aligned. God, I want to share the gospel uh, to my dad, and I know we were just in the car for two hours, but I need a better opportunity. I need, I need, I need the right song to be playing on the radio. I need a, I need a dove to fly across, all right, and just show his little wings and say, "Listen to your son; he's got truth." All right, I need it to happen. I need it. I need it because guess what? Hey, I thought that was pretty good. That's how a bird would talk, right? That's how a dove would talk, you know? That's right. It's pretty funny. All right, good, good. Y'all never heard a dove talk? All right, here we go. So, again, all right. So, again, one of the reasons we struggle, I think it's one of the main reasons we struggle when it comes to sharing the gospel is because we try to make it bigger than what it has to be. And we try to make it as if all the stars have to be in line, that everything has to be perfect. And yet Jesus is saying, I just need you to do the little things. I need you to do the little things. I know this is going to sound harsh, and honestly, honestly by saying this, it might even affect some of you guys' uh, ego, but guess what? You're so small. You're so insignificant. You're so invaluable. So I don't need you to do anything big. I need you to do something small so I can show them how big of a God I am. Because when you try to act big, when you try to act smart, when you try to act perfect, I can't use that. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. I just need you to do the little things. So again, if you're struggling when it comes to sharing the gospel, and that verse today when it says, if you deny me in front of men, I'll deny you in front of God. Hey, guess what? You don't have to go home and get the whole family around and give them a, uh, a, a Bible study on, on salvation and tell them, all right, we're going to listen we're gonna, for six hours until you give your life to Christ kind of deal. But what I am saying is, guess what? Start looking at the little things that you need to be doing every day. And when you realize you don't do the little things, maybe you don't serve the big God. 
Because if you serve a big God, even the smallest task is worth doing. Y'all following with me? Why don't people like serving in the church? Because guess what? No one's going to know I did it. No one's going to recognize me. And I'm going to waste my time. Guess what? God sees you. Keep going. Y'all following with me? It's, it's, it's such a great encouragement. It's like a two-edged sword. If you're right with God, it's assurance. If you're wrong with God, it's friction. Why? Because guess what? One is the flow of the world. One is standing for Christ. So if there's friction, guess what? You must be erring on the side of standing and flowing with the world. Y'all, is that not, does that not make sense? If there's friction with what's being said from the Word of God, maybe it's because you're still going with the flow of the world. And for you to apply it and for you to use it, you would have to stand against the world. So what does that mean? Something would have to change about your life. If nothing's changed in your life, then I don't know if God's your Savior. If nothing has changed in my life, then I need to ask myself, is God my Savior? Is God my Lord? If there is no change, why are you still the same? Does that make sense? Good deal, y'all.